Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. There's moments and times uh, when God steps in and He has a design season and purpose, and He has that today. stop anything that the Lord is doing, but God wants to do something in this place today. He wants His Word to go forth, and I'm not going to try and make this any, I'm just going to say as plain as I can, God wants to do a miracle in your life today. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost if you need it today. He, he's here to do that today. And I believe that the Lord has something that He wants to say to us. And if you're open, the Lord will do the miracle that you need today. I want to read some verses. And when you hear my title, once I've read these verses, perhaps you'll pick up the correlation. It's pretty easy once I read my title with what God is doing today. I want to read from 2 Kings chapter 6 today. Verse 24 and 25, then we'll skip to the next chapter. But it says this, And it came to pass after this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a calf of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Then we're going to skip to 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 15 and 16. It says, and they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. We read here the start and end of the story. At the start, it's a pretty bad place. In fact, they're selling all kinds of stuff to eat as the city is under siege. And at the end we read, and of course we don't know shekels and all those things, but food was real expensive, the Lord came, and there was so much food got real cheap again. <laughs> and this morning I want to preach to you for a short time and then I believe God's going to do something in your life today. <laughs> I was struggling for a title actually, and yesterday I opened my computer and just typed this and it just happened. Thank you, praise team, today. I want to preach to you about the sound of victory. The sound of victory. Amen. Let's join together in prayer and believe that God's going to move in this place today even more. Lord Jesus, we come before you thankful, Lord, for what you are doing in this place already. We thank you, Lord, that you prepare us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear your word, that it would reach where it needs to reach, that it would touch where it needs to touch. And Lord, I believe you for what you have to do in this place today, God. I give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise before we're seated this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Here at the start of 2 Kings, we find Israel in a strange place. It's in the second chapter of 2 Kings that Elijah the prophet is taken up into heaven by a chariot of fire. And this leaves Elisha as the main representative of God that we read about in this book. Ahab's son Jehoram has taken over the kingdom. Ahab was a wicked ruler and 
Jehoram, his son, takes over and makes the city of Samaria his capital of Israel. And Scripture tells us he did evil in the sight of the Lord, that he continued to worship false gods, that he continued to sacrifice in unholy places, that he allowed and encouraged the people to do the same, to do whatever they wanted, just as his forefathers had done before him. And while all of this was going on, Elisha was still prophesying. While the king was doing evil in the sight of God, and while he was encouraging others to do evil, Elisha, we find, was still prophesying. He was still performing miracles. And it's during these early chapters, before chapter 6, where we read that we find Elisha and the miracle of the oil taking place, where he tells the widow to gather all the empty vessels and begin to start pouring oil, and she fills every vessel that she can find with just a small measure of oil. We find Elisha, he raises the Shunammite son, the, the lady from the dead. Her son is, she has a son miraculously, and then her son takes ill, and she calls for the prophet, and by the time he gets there, the boy is dead, and he prays for the boy, and he is raised to life again. We find the miracle of the poisoned food where a bunch of guys are out in the woods and they get sick. <laughs> they collect some stuff and they start throwing things in this pot and they start eating it and they said, oh man, there's, this, this is not good, there's something bad in here. And so Elisha goes over, he throws some flour into it and it cures the food. Elisha also feeds a hundred men. Someone comes out uh, with just a little bit of food and Elisha prays for it. feeds over a hundred people with what is given to him. It's in these early chapters that Naaman, the story of Naaman the Syrian, comes to Elisha and asks him to be healed of leprosy. And the story goes on where he is told to dip seven times in the river and he will be healed. And Naaman puts up a fight, but he eventually goes to the river Jordan and he begins to dip in the river. And on the seventh time, he comes up and his leprosy is healed. We find an axe head floats to the top of a river after, it's, after it has been uh, lost there. And the Syrian raiders come in and Elisha prays and they are blinded. We find all of this taking place. There is great evil, but there are also great miracles taking place at the same time. Let me remind you this morning that it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing around you can still work through you. It doesn't matter what's taking place in your life, God is still able to work a miracle through you. Just because a miracle happens, though, is not a sign of God's approval of your life. Neither is a miracle enough to keep us. It must go deeper in our lives. In chapter 6, we come to where we read, which is the siege of Samaria. And the Assyrians have come and they have besieged the city of Samaria and decided to capture it by laying siege to it. And things are starting to get very bad as we pick up the story. There's horrific things happening inside to the people and what they are engaging in as the siege continues day after day. Supplies cannot get in. Food cannot get in. We find, we read that every animal was beaten in. Was, uh, they were eating every animal, they were taking every part, and it was being sold for high numbers. In fact, they were taking the droppings of animals, and they were eating those and selling those. And then we read in Scriptures following that they eventually entered into cannibalism. We find two women arguing over whose child should be sacrificed next. And things have gotten to a point that no one ever imagined that they would get to. Never did the people of Samaria, the people of Israel, expect to go to market and purchase unclean animals for exorbitant prices. Never did they expect not just to go purchase unclean animals, but to go 
weigh out animal feces and pay for it for a meal for their family. Never in a million years did they ever think that two women would be arguing about sacrificing a child because the situation was so bad and arguing about that. Never did they think it was going to get to this spot. There was, this was nowhere even close to their imagination that when the siege started, they couldn't have thought it would have gone this way. Let me tell you that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ever ask or think. He can go so much above and beyond, so much bigger and so much higher than you could ever imagine. But I want to remind you this morning too, that sin can take you lower than you could ever imagine. As high as God can take you, and as great as His blessings are, and there's people that sit here today, and you look back over your life and wonder how you are even sitting here today, let me remind you that sin can take you just as deep if you allow it. Sin can take you to depths that you didn't even realize existed, and before long, you will find yourself normalizing things that you once never thought you would ever engage in, and all of a sudden, sin becomes normal in a way of life. Let me remind you that Satan is only here to steal and kill and destroy in your life. He is not here to bring life, but he is here to destroy you. Sin is seeking your destruction. The psalmist says that in Psalms chapter 40 and verse 2, it says, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. David catches a glimpse of where sin can take a man. That it does take you into a pit of destruction. It does take you to a place so deep you never think you're able to get out. A place of no escape. Sin puts you in a miry clay. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk across somewhere that's full of mud. I tried it a few weeks ago. I tried to walk across the field behind our house, and I got so far, and I could barely lift my feet because of the mud that was caked to the bottom of them. Then I tried to get back, and here's the interesting thing. Even on my way back, the mud stuck to me. Going in, the mud was stuck, and coming out, the mud was stuck. Because sin will take us so deep that even when we try to start making our way out, it feels like we're lifting weights. It feels like there's no hope. Even when we try to aim for something good, it feels like there's no hope. And it keeps accumulating the clay, the mud on our feet. The first thing you need to do is recognize where you are at. David recognized the pit. He recognized that sin takes me to the bottom, that clay holds me down, that the mud is there to drag me down. And the lepers in our story that we read about, there's some lepers that show, not leopards, lepers. Those are people that have the disease of leprosy. They show up in our story. There's some lepers that are living outside of the city, and these are people that are diseased and set apart, and they enter our story in a strange way. They come into our story in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. It says, And there were four leprous men at the entry and in of the gate, so they're sitting right outside the city. And they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, there's famine in the city. We're not going to get any food there, and we're going to die there. But if we sit here, we're going to die too, because there's no food here. So they realize their situation, and they keep discussing, and they said, Now therefore come, let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. They said, If we go to the city, there's death there. If we stay here, there's death. If we go to the enemy, we might get food or we might die, but we're going to die even if they kill us. So it makes no big difference. 
You see, understand these lepers were already outcasts in this city. They were, had already been cast outside of the city when times were good. When there was no enemy, they would let food down over the wall or they would send food out through the gate because no one wanted to touch them. They were outcasts. But in bad times like this, make no mistake, they were the first ones to lose their food. If the lepers are around and everyone else is looking for food, the lepers are going to be the first ones forgotten. They're going to be the first ones that they say, you know what, they're going to die anyway. Just let's not give them any food. When we're rationing out food, they don't need any. Nobody cares about them when they're faced with personal starvation. When, when your own kids have no food, you don't care about the lepers sitting outside of the city. And so the lepers find themselves in the worst possible state. They were outcasts. They were starving. They had no hope. No one cared about them. And they came to this realization, though, that if they stayed where they were, they would die. If they went to the enemy camp, they would probably be killed, but they might get some food. Because they are lepers and nobody wants a leper around. But they came to this realization, the worst thing that I can do is nothing. They did know that if they sat there, 100% guaranteed they were going to die. They knew that they could not stay where they were. And all of a sudden we find, if you could say it's not sin, but they find themselves at the bottom of a pit trying to get out, trying to figure a way out, and they know that if they stay where they are, they're going to die. And the desperation of the lepers, all of a sudden, they say, you know what, we're so desperate, we are willing to go to the enemy camp. We are willing to go to the people who want to kill us. We are willing to do whatever it takes. And their desperation positioned them for a miracle. It was their desperation. Because in this story, it's going to unfold. They are the ones who experience the miracle. No one else in the city experiences the miracle quite like the lepers. Because nobody had got as desperate as the lepers. Let me tell you today, if you are stuck in the pit of sin, if you are stuck in the pit of a circumstance, if you are stuck with something that is miring you down and keeping you down, let me challenge you this morning that your desperation is not something to just do away with. Your desperation that brought you here today can lead you to a miracle above all things in this place. You see, because the sound of victory first started out as the cry of desperation in these lepers' lives. It was a cry of desperation. They did not hear victory first, but no, something was in turmoil inside of them. And they had to recognize where they were before they could make their next choice. You see, they had to recognize and understand their situation. Everybody else was still looking to supply their own needs. Everyone else was still going to the market and buying things that are unbelievable that they would buy. But they were still trying to supply their own needs. But these lepers realized their only help came from an outside source. Now, it was the enemy in this situation and in this circumstance, but let me remind you that you are lost in your sins today, that you are hopeless in your sins today. There is nothing good that you can do to pull yourself out. Your only help comes from outside of yourself today. Quit trying to struggle and figure things out on your own. I tell you today, look to God. He is the author. He is the finisher of your salvation. He is the only place that my hope can come from. I have to realize, first of all, just like these lepers, that I am lost without hope in my own strength. 
Until I get to the point where I realize there's nothing I can do to save myself. Until I get to the point where there's nothing I can do to heal myself, to pull myself out of this situation. Until I realize simply that I need God. I can't receive what God has for me. Now God could. God could save you you, without you having a choice. But God wants you to recognize that you need Him. God wants you to recognize the miracle that you need in your life before He will reach down and do something for you. Let me tell you that sin would love to paralyze you into thinking that there's no other choices today. It would love to paralyze you into thinking that you just need to remain in this pit hopeless. You see, because here's the thing with sin. It doesn't care which direction. It's not so much. It just wants you to do nothing. If, 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 the, if the enemy of your soul can get you to leave this service today without doing anything, that doesn't mean that you leave saying, man, that was the worst thing I've ever been to. That was a bunch of nonsense. That was a bunch of baloney. You don't have to leave that way. You can just leave the same way you came in. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants you to leave the same way that you came into this place today. But I don't want you to forget the other words of the psalmist in the verse that we read. Yes, there's a pit. It's a horrible pit. Yes, there's clay, miry clay. But he said, he brought me up and he set my feet on a rock. He established my goings. He goes on in verse 3. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. I'm here to tell you today, you may have come in this place with a song song of pain, with a song of hurt, with sin in your life. But there's a new song that you can leave this place singing today. It's the song of the redeemed. It's the song of the healed. It's the song of the delivered. It's the song of those who have been set free by the power of God. There's a way of escape today. You've tried everything, and the clay just keeps miring you down. The pit has you defeated. But let me tell you, when you feel like there's nowhere else to turn to, when there's nowhere else to go, there's always one way left, and that is simply look up. Because He pulls you up out of the miry clay. He doesn't drag you through anything. If you'll simply look up today, He'll take you and pull you out of the mess you're in, out of the circumstance you're in, out of the situations and sin you're in. The best direction that God works is up. (laughs) It's up. So far we've seen the plight of Samaria. Nobody's in a good way. We've seen the desperate place the lepers were along with the rest of the city. We've seen where disobedience and sin can take us. In fact, that's the whole reason that Samaria is being put under attack. God is allowing this to happen because of their sin and disobedience. We see the depths that we can end up in sin. People that say to me, I never thought I'd end up here. Sin doesn't tell you the end. But you'll end up in places you never imagined. But we know the story ends because we read it with the Israelites discovering an abandoned Syrian camp. They discovered and all the spoils had been left behind that that they thought they were dead. They were trying to figure out what was going to happen the next day and then they come upon a camp that's been deserted left behind. Salvation arrives in a miraculous way. And it's here in the middle of the story. We read the start, we read the end, but it's here in the middle that we find the miraculous happening. Let me tell you here today, your story's not over. You're just in the middle of your story. And let me tell you, it's in the middle that the miraculous can happen in your life. Between despair and victory, between hopelessness and hope, between tears and triumph is where the real story 
The miracle takes place. It's in this middle part that God steps in. And He wants to step into your life today. We come to this part of the story now. Between the lepers realizing their position that if we stay here, if we go to the city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. If we go to the enemy's camp, we may get some food before they kill us. That's where they are. That's where we left them. And then we have the abandoned camp of the army leaving. We find this taking place. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 5. Speaking of the lepers, it says they rose up in the twilight. So it's just about nighttime. They've decided we're going to go to the enemy camp. And if they feed us before they kill us, at least we'll die full. (laughs) To go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. So they come to the outskirts of the camp and there's nobody there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. We read where God sends the sound of an army to frighten away the Syrians. The lepers come to the Syrian camp and it's deserted. In all of their thinking and all of their uh, discussion they'd had between the four of them, this is not something that came up. They thought if we go there, they may keep us alive, they may feed us, they may kill us, but never had they said, you know what, what happens if we get there and nobody's there? That doesn't happen. (laughs) It's just like saying, what happens if we go to pay our taxes We go to the courthouse to pay our taxes and they say, you don't owe anything. And in fact, you don't owe anything next year. That doesn't happen. Yeah, that doesn't cross your mind. On your way up, you're like, okay, this is the year. This is the year that I'm not going to have to pay. No, it doesn't usually happen that way. They get to the camp and it's deserted. Everything has just been dropped been left in place and now there's just an empty camp overflowing with supplies with food with weapons with everything we find that God has miraculously saved Israel there's two things I want us to notice though we read the story in hindsight that's always the best way to read the story to get the details right wouldn't it be nice if you could read your story in hindsight so that you know that you're going to make it through this situation and, and that the money's going to come through in this and this is all going to happen. If you could have the full story and know, well, if I just keep on a few more days, it'll all, it'll all work out. But we don't have hindsight. We usually get stuck in the conversation of what are we going to do? Are we going to die or are we going to go? Are we going to stay? What, what's going to happen? That's where we find ourselves in life. But the writer of the book of 2 Kings knows what happens. And and the lepers didn't know what was going on. They don't understand what's taking place. They had no clue what was going on. Just that they show up to the camp and there's nobody there. But the writer gives us insight into what happened between the lepers deciding to go and them arriving. Once they decided to go to the Syrian camp, they... I, I don't know, we don't, we don't know all the details, but I would imagine they probably tried to sneak up on the camp a little bit. They're tired and starving, diseased. They make their way there. But notice, they don't hear any sound. 
They don't hear anything. All they hear is their own desperate laborings. All they hear is their own footsteps as they try to quietly sneak up to the camp. In fact, you could, we could have a discussion about whether they even had any faith. I don't know. They had desperation, we can agree on that. But their faith, they were just hoping not to die. I guess that's some sort of faith. Lord, just don't let this situation kill me. That's all I ask. Lord, don't just let this extreme thing happen. They had nothing to lose. Their circumstance was such that they, there was no hope anywhere they turned. And they started walking. I need some lepers. I need some diseased people on the front row. There's one volunteer diseased. There's another sick person. I got a couple more sick people. There's a sick person. There's a sick person. Come on up here. Come up here, you sick people. You lepers, leopards. All right. Can you guys act sick or just act normal? Or They're teenage boys, so they normally walk drooling anyway and tripping over themselves. And All right. So let's see. You can be missing an arm. Just one. You've still got the other one, so you can still kind of flop it around. You've, you, your leg's about to fall off, so you drag your leg. Everything's wrong with you. <laughs> Why don't you hold your ear or something? Your ear's falling off. I don't know. I, I want you guys to start. The camp's over there. Brother Blake is the Syrian camp. He's the enemy. But you guys start making your way over there like you're sick. Come on, you're Now, come on, back over here. Back over here. The one thing they did have was unity. They were united in their desperation. And they knew they couldn't make it on their own. This one's got a dead leg. That one's got one arm. This one's just right there at the end of about to pass out. This one's missing an ear. So they have to, every time they talk, he has to turn his head to them. <laughs> there you go. In an awkward way. So help each other. You got to help each other. All right, help each other across there. Now act like you're in pain. But you're also trying to sneak. All right. They're pretty, they're pretty sickly and helpless. There we go. There we go. I can, I can just imagine as they're going. Because in, in my head, I'm, I'm try, I, I think they would be trying to sneak in some way. Because they, they're like, well, if we die, okay. But they're not trying to die. And I'm just like, hey, here we are, walking in the front. I, they get to the outermost part of the camp. So they've, they've made their way there. So they're diseased and they're desperate and they're, they're, they're afflicted and yet they're trying to sneak. And I'm sure there was pain involved. I'm sure they, they were struggling to get there. And, 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 and the one that had the one ear that was missing, you know, when you've got headphones in and you're louder when you talk. He kept talking real loud because he's only got one ear and they're all telling him to be quiet. Max, keep your voice down. They're struggling along. And you know what? Their walk to the enemy camp, to the miracle, was difficult. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how you pray and believe for things. I don't know how you do it. But this, this is how I feel that it should happen. Maybe you agree with me. So we'll all start walking together. All right? I feel like, okay, let's start walking that way. Let's go. All right, miracle should be here. Right? We walk by faith, not by sight. So I'm going to take a step of faith. That's a pretty good step for four lepers. And you know what happens a lot of times? Nothing. 
You know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm listening for the sound of victory. But there's nothing. Nothing. In fact, all I hear are the grunts and the pains of these four feeble. That's all I hear. You know what I hear? I hear getting down to pray one more time for situation. I hear fasting one more day. I fear, I, I hear hoping beyond hope. I, I, all these things that I struggle with and I, I wonder why is there no sound? Why is there nothing? I, I keep walking. I keep struggling. I keep trying to get out of my situation and this is what they say to do that you should be faithful and keep holding on and keep pushing on. And I believe God's going to come through, but He's not coming through. Because I can't hear the sound of victory anywhere. All I hear are my own prayers bouncing back off the wall to me. All I keep hearing are my praises. I lift my hands at church and my praises mock me. They say worship for your healing. And I lift my hands and there's no healing. I just keep praying for the backslider and they get farther from God. I just keep hearing my own laborings. And Where is God? But see, the writer lets us know something. (laughs) You see, because the sound of victory doesn't always come to my ears. (laughs) It doesn't always come to my ears. Because what the lepers didn't know as they're walking that way, that there was a sound, it just wasn't for them to hear. They had to keep pressing on. They had to keep pushing no matter where they went. But it tells us when it's writing about it, you guys can start slowly walking this way. They hear nothing going on. But here's a Syrian army over here. And they begin to hear something. They begin to hear the roar. And they don't hear four lepers. They hear the sound of an army. They hear horses. They hear chariots. And all of a sudden, they start to drop what they had. They get afraid. They think, what army is coming? Who is this that's coming, making their way? Oh, come on. They thought they'd hired armies. They said they've got the Egyptians and the Hittites and everyone else. They've hired somebody. But no, that was the army of God. And even though the lepers couldn't hear the sound of victory, the enemy heard something that caused them to fear. Let me tell you today, that sound can be heard. The cry of victory can be heard in your situation. I know you may not hear it, but the enemy is trembling. Depression hears the sound of your prayers. The backslider hears the sound of your prayers. Sickness hears the sound of your prayers. And it begins to quake. It begins to tremble. It begins to fear. Oh, let me tell you, the sound of victory is all around us. The sound of victory is around me when I pray, when I worship, when I lift my hands. It's there whether I can hear it or not. Oh, let's give them praise right now. Come on, I hear the sound of victory in this place today. I hear the cry of victory today. Let me tell you, the Syrian army was no small army. This was an army that was, that was battle-scarred. These were men that did not scare easily. These were men who had plenty of supplies. They were well-fed. They knew how to fight. They had captured many cities. And yet when they heard the sound of the Lord of hosts, when they heard the sound of the host of heaven, these men who knew what battle was about, who had fought armies that were as strong as they were and had conquered them, all of a sudden they didn't even think, you know what, maybe we could stand and fight. 
They didn't think, you know what, maybe we stand a chance. They got so scared, they left everything where it was. They didn't even want to think about fighting. Let me tell you today, our prayers are not in vain. Our belief is not in vain. Our faith is not in vain. Our hope is not in vain. And we think, man, what are we going to do when we get to the camp? But the Lord of hosts is fighting for us. He can put fear. He can conquer. He can destroy the enemy before we ever get there. And they left every weapon, every supply where it was. And they took off. (laughs) See, my problem is I get so concerned about what I'm hearing. And I just keep hearing myself. I keep hearing my struggles. I keep hearing my prayers that go nowhere. I keep hearing all of these things. But this morning, I want you to consider what the enemy is hearing today. I want you to consider that when we just a few moments ago began to pray and lift our hands and worship, and people came up front and began to shed tears as battles were being fought. And even though you may not have heard anything, let me tell you that this morning, the enemy heard something today. That the enemy heard a battle cry. That the enemy heard the Lord of hosts. And I'm here to tell you today if you'll just make your way to the camp just keep going make your way to the camp you can find healing in this place today you can find victory in this place today you can find salvation in this place today it is here they found deliverance greater than they could ever have expected all they wanted was not to die instead they found life and then they found enough life to share with the entire city You see, that's the problem with my circumstances. It's mine, and my prayers are about my circumstance. But when God blesses, when God comes through, He'll give you enough for your situation, for the sin in your life to be covered, and then you can affect those around you as well. God has enough. He's got enough for your family. He's got enough to change your workplace. He's got enough to change your school. He's got enough to change the course of your life from this moment on. I hear the sound of victory today. And I'm closing as music comes. We get so concerned about what we hear, about our own steps, that it can't even hear what's going on outside, what's going on in the spiritual realm. We get so caught up in how sin has destroyed our life that we can't hear the host of heaven fighting for us. I close with this. This is where faith comes in. Because there was something that happened. There was a connection. There was a connection between the lepers and the host of heaven. There was a connection there. And here it was. It's the host of heaven that fought for the lepers and for the city. Their footsteps were an echo of the lepers' footsteps. How do you know what an echo is? You yell and then it comes back at you. You yell, you're stupid, and then it tells you the same thing. And you yell, what you say is what you are, and it comes back to you. But Scripture doesn't specifically say this, but we can gather from it that the host of heaven, because it says they started walking at twilight, and at twilight the Syrians got scared. So there's a connection in time. They hadn't been gone for days. But there was a connection about when the lepers went like this. They didn't hear it, but the host of heaven went like this. And as they took another step, there was an echo. There was an echo. 
I don't know if this is really how it happened, but I can imagine them stopping and the host of heaven stopping. Now we know they were a little bit before him because when they got there, it was already done. So they were out ahead of them. <laughs> don't forget that God's out ahead of your situation. <laughs> You're looking all around for him. Sometimes he's so far ahead of my situation, I can't see him. But the hosts of heaven match their steps, the natural steps, with the spiritual steps. I said it once already, we walk by faith, not by sight. That there's something I do in the natural that the spiritual world responds to. There was no spiritual army heard until the four lepers recognized where they were. They realized the plight of their situation. And then they began to walk towards the camp. But the moment they took that first step, all of a sudden, I can imagine those Syrians as they're getting ready to camp out for the night, another night on the siege, they hear something. I don't know if it grew in the distance, but they heard something that caught their attention. They knew that something was happening. They didn't know what, because they knew the city that they knew the city that they were attacking had no hope. They had no way to fight back. They had no weapons. They were starving. Let me tell you today, it doesn't matter what you look like today. It doesn't matter how ravaged your soul and your spirit are by sin or circumstances today. The enemy thinks he's got you under control. He thinks there's no way that you can fight out of the mess that you're in. And you know what? The enemy's right. I can't. But I hear the sound of victory today. And I know it's my steps that I'm taking. But I'm believing today that as I take a step of faith towards the camp, towards where my deliverance, towards where my answer is, that there's a host of heaven that's going before me. There's a host of heaven that's with me this morning. And I may not hear anything, but the enemy says, what's that sound? I didn't think there was any way. I didn't even think they could be in church today. And yet there they are. How can they lift their hand? What, what are they doing? How? Oh my goodness, I hear a sound as they begin to praise, as they begin to worship, as they take take steps of faith as they make their way to an altar and the enemy starts to feel something. Let me tell you, there's deliverance in this place today. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. He says, take a step and I'll be right there. Psalms 145 and verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. As I simply make a step towards God, he is there to respond to me. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 3, therefore say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. He doesn't need you to figure it all out. He doesn't need you to have a battle plan. He doesn't need you to have all the answers. He just needs you to turn to Him, to call upon Him, to take a step towards Him, and He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the sin. He'll take care of the darkness. He'll take care of the situation. He'll take care of the sickness in your life. The sound of the divine footsteps, it coincided with their natural footsteps. That means nothing happened till they moved. As we stand this morning, nothing happened until they moved. Again, it's supposition on my part, but you can just go with me. You can almost see 
Well, the town, we read what the town was doing. The city, they were in the markets. They, they were buying scraps of food. They were buying donkeys' heads to eat. I like to give you homework every so often. So here's your homework this week. When you get home, not right now, Google the restaurant Numa. N-O-O-M-A. It's a Danish restaurant. It's been voted the number one restaurant in the world several years Several times, you'll probably throw up when you see what they're serving you. They serve you duck's brains out of a duck's head is one course. In fact, I saw it and I was like, man, this sounds like Samaria. It looks like they're serving pine cone salad. No, it's pine cones. We're going to go eat a pine cone. Oh, okay, this is good. Reindeer tongue. I'll take some of that. Moss. All right. But as the people in the city, they, it tells us they're, they're searching for anything. They're, they're collecting things that animals have left and selling it for food. And I can almost see, again, it's just what I see in my head. But they're all scratching around, trying to find something, trying to dig for something, trying to do whatever they can to find food. And I can almost see God. I know this isn't a real picture, but I can almost see God just trying to hold back the host of heaven. Because they're, they're wanting to save, they're wanting to, that's what they do. The Lord of hosts and his army fight. They like to fight. They like to set people free. They like to let people know the doors are open, you can come out of prison. That's what they do. And I can almost see God holding them back, saying, no, just wait, just wait. Come on, just wait. Just wait. I've got to have one of them move. I've got to have someone take just a step of faith. I've got to have someone that quits looking around, trying to figure out how to fix it all and take care of everything and fix their situation. I've just got to have one move. And as soon as one moves, you guys can go. You can do whatever you need to do. You can take care of the situation. And I believe God is telling somebody today, if you will simply move in faith, you may not hear the sound right now, but let me tell you, there's a host of heaven that's waiting to move on your behalf. They're waiting to do a work in your life. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The natural step coincided with the spiritual step. That's why we say, if you want to come to the altar, you can come. In a few hours, there's going to be tables out here decorated for a, a, a wedding deal going on. And I don't know if they're going to do it after that, but if, if, if they are, then that's going to be cleared up and the goals are going to come down and they're going to play basketball. There's going to be kids in here this week. They may throw up. They may have thrown up right where you're standing in your bare feet. You know what? That tells me that this square right here That's, it's not the square. Let me tell you what it is, though. It's, it's not that there's something magical up here. There's nothing magical here. And I know God can touch you anywhere. But there's something about taking a step. I'm talking to people that it, you haven't taken a step in a while. In fact, you may used to have taken steps, but, it's, but you didn't hear anything, and so you quit. Imagine if the lepers would have quit halfway to the camp death 
You've quit taking a step. I'm here simply to challenge you today to hear the sound of victory. And the way when I hear the sound, I hear it by taking a step. If you need the Holy Ghost today, I challenge you, take a step. If you need healing today, take a step. If you need a miracle in your life, take a step. And I know when you take that step, you may, you may be expecting to feel goosebumps, or you may be expecting this or that. It may just be a walk. All you may hear is your footsteps, but know there's something spiritual going on. The host of heaven is fighting for you today. God is reaching for your soul today. God wants to do something in your life today. I want us to pray right now. I believe there's miracles in this place. I believe that God wants to do something in this place today. Come on. I want you to lift your hands. And here's what you need to decide. Am I going to go back to the city and try to figure out some food? Am I just going to sit here and then leave the same way? Or am I going to take a step today? Come on, you need to reconcile. That's the first thing. you got to reconcile that in your own head first. Am I going to sit here and die? Am I going to go back to my problems, my situations, and try to figure it out? Or I do see a glimmer of hope today, and I'm going to step towards the light. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's all going to be figured out. But I'm going to take a step of faith, a step towards hope today. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, your spirit is calling us today. Lord, victory is in this place today. Lord, I believe that you are here to transform lives today, that you are here to fill with the Holy Ghost today, that you are here to do a work in somebody's heart and life today. And Lord, I pray that you would stir our faith right now. Lord, that despite the circumstances, despite what we may or may not feel, Lord, that our trust is in you, that you are the Lord of hosts, that you are fighting for us, that you are with us, God that there is something taking place beyond what I can even see here and now, God. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I hear the sound of victory today. Hey, man, I wonder right now, maybe you don't hear that exact sound, but maybe you need something today. Come on, let your natural step coincide with the spiritual. Come on, if you need the Holy Ghost, why don't you take a step of faith towards this altar today, towards this front area? Come on, it's nothing about this place, but my act of faith does something. It releases something. Come on, if you need healing, I don't care how many times you've prayed for it. Why don't you take a step of faith today and see what God will do? Maybe you've got a situation in your family and you've been praying and praying about it. I'm here to tell you today, I hear the sound of victory in the air today. I hear restoration today. I hear recovery today. Come on, maybe you've got an addiction or something that's keeping you bound. I believe deliverance is in this place today.